This is the Where You At Buds podcast, where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Stephen, Evelyn, and Marcus. Hey. Sorry, it's been a while. It, it's been a minute. Ooh. Yeah, it's been a minute. I can't wait to fire this thing back up. Car hey? troubles. Car troubles. Huh? <laughs> Range Rover. Her brand new car. This hey, listen. brought to you by. Okay, so it's a Range Rover. <laughs> yes. But hey, listen. I have a boyfriend that's a mechanic, so easy peasy. You look really familiar. Yeah, because I lived. That's you cool. lived like two doors down. Yeah, from us exactly. Like right. Yeah, Your son yeah. Sai. Yes. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We were neighbors. You look familiar. That's it. Well, he does. Like <laughs> you live two houses down. This is before I bought the place I'm in now. Back and I was living there, just uh, renting there for a little bit. Was in <laughs> yeah, temporary, but, but it was great. Yeah, like your kids played with mine. Yeah, I don't, they had that Jeep, and my kids were all like, "Yeah, that little little Jeep there," and all the kids, all my kids, would just yeah, like jump climb on onto it like you know there was like candy inside of it, and they're all hanging off of it <laughs> yeah. like it's some kind of like Mad Max thing. Yeah, the like, kids, it's theirs. No, it's his. It's not. <laughs> oh, he but he's good. He's like, oh, it's okay. Jump on it. Take it. Anyways, yes, but you're usually wearing like a hat or something. So yeah, that's in the car. Okay, so okay, so if you would have wore the hat, I know when I walked in, it would have been like instantly. I, like, I don't talk you. to my neighbors, but at least I know their names. Okay, but listen, God. okay, give me a little. I was there for six months, but <laughs> now your wife. So I remember you say your new wife, Squamish, right? We don't talk to our neighbors. COVID excuses. <laughs> new Squamish. We don't talk to anybody. It's like uh, you say, like you, you know, you used to walk like. Uh, I'll say this: like I'm going over. I'm in school right now at VIU at Nanaimo, so I'm going back and forth every weekend and. The school is like four days a week, so I'll do like on Friday. When I'm not coming back here, I'll go hike up Mount Benson. And it's a nice hike. It's actually a lot harder than I thought. And But everybody there is friendly. So it's like how the chief used to be. When you walk on the chief and you say hi and you talk to people and it's like, oh, wow. And even like, you know, all the trails I'm doing around there, people are all friendly. Then, you know, it's kind of like you go up the chief now and you're like, hi. And people just like... <laughs> or they're playing like you know high heels. they're playing music in high heels. Like they, they got their pumps. little like their little box and they're like I don't why why would you bring music out here? And then I start remembering I'd tell people like you know, you know that actually attracts the cougars. I'm just like you should be out, like you're out in nature you're just hiking music enjoy like cougars. why do you gotta I wonder why they're doing that at Buffalo Bills and Whistler I get it I don't want to listen to your horrible top forty music. That's it. That's why. That's hey, why. The more you know with Russ Robertson. <laughs> we're, we're back to the 80s where they had the boom boxes on the buses, right? And now we're back to that where oh. people are just sharing their music with everyone else. They're <laughs> like, great. That's yeah. At awesome. the beach. <laughs> awesome. Well, everybody, welcome back. Season two of the Where You At Buds podcast with myself, Stephen Fryer. Evelyn Schellenberg. And Marcus. Oh man, is it great to be back in the shed with wow. you guys? Missed you guys. Well, there was there was the vacation, and then getting our lives back to normal when school starts. Because we're all parents, and it's just mm-hmm. getting a new schedule set with the kids and the kids after school stuff, and getting ourselves sorted. And finally, it's like, all right, like let's let's find a time that we can do this because it's been kind of crazy last. You mean couple well, months. you mean when September comes and you get that real smack across the face with kids' activities? Yeah, it's not even just the kids. Like Friar, you and I live at the rink. Yes, I'm actually, you know, we're doing this, what, on a Sunday morning. I've already been at the rink three times today. Yeah, yeah. Already, and I'm going back <laughs> for another morning. three. So, yeah, it's, it's you know, 100% live there. Marcus, you're putting on birthday parties and everything else down mm-hmm. at Happy Mess all weekend long. Well, the, the kids also decided to do 15,000 dance classes. I don't know why. And there's <laughs> acting classes. You know, I'm fortunate in terms of, like, what do you guys want to do? Do you want to learn mountain biking? No. Okay, do you want to go learn oh ski this year? No. I was like, great. That's the two things they do in this town. That's awesome. What do you want to do? I want to play soccer. I want to act. I want to go to dance. 
Fantastic. Pick the cheapest three. Go, go, go. Here we go. Shoes. And a big shout out. I mean, listen, listen, I don't know that it's the cheapest. I'm not going to lie because, you know, I've got a daughter in dance too as well. So massive shout out. um, SDC. SDC, 100%. I'm I'm just saying in terms of equipment, I don't have to get skis. I don't have to get boots. I don't have to get mountain bikes. I just just need to pay for courses and, and move on. See, my kids are into skiing, snowboarding, golf. All the, you know, the things that cost a lot of money for equipment and well, ho- not, not hockey anymore. Quinn's back into hockey, though. Jace isn't into hockey anymore, which is really sad. But hey, Cry, you're going to have to fix Sorry, that. I'm, I'm crying over here. I know. Well, what am I going to do? I got him back crying. on the ice uh, last week. I threw him on the ice when I did my ice circuit and he was having a blast. So. For me, it's always about the retention. Like a lot of people talk nowadays about, you know, development of kids and, you know, creating these super. It's not about that. For me, it's literally about having a kid return the next year. Yeah. And seeing a smile on his face and the fist pumps and, you know, the laughs well, and the chuckles. You know, it's, that's what it's about. Okay, so you were his coach. It gets a little crazy. What is that? You were his coach, man. So what the hell? It does. No, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I you wasn't were. Last, last couple year. Year. Nah, yeah, last year. No, last year I had five teams. That was a very minor part of what went on. It was Friar. That one. Well, listen, today on the podcast, coming back. Coming back. Are, are we still sponsored by yeah, them? Yeah. Look, there I got you go. The beers. We're sponsored by Backcountry Brewery. Still. Okay, they still on. like us. They, they still they, like you know us. What I mean? hey, hey, ben and Mark and the and the gents down at like Country Brewing, they still like us. Even, they, even though we kind of went AWOL on them for a bit, they still like us. They sent us beer. They, no, they love us. So, okay, I want to talk about this Maple Bay IPA. So, this Maple Bay is, um, okay, Ben actually owns, remember when he was on the show, Maple he was Bay talking hops. about he owns Maple Bay hops, right? So, he has that one limited release per year um, that comes straight off of his hop farm, and that's it. Fresh hop IPA. Yeah. Well, I guess it's fresh. It comes right from his farm. And so. it's a limited release. Okay, remember what he said last time that uh, they had screwed up. Oh, the brewer yes. had screwed up and they lost like 75% of that batch. Yes. Somebody was crying. It was him. He was <laughs> he crying. Was I think Ben was crying. <laughs> was there, yeah. yeah. Do we so, want to bring that up again? Mm, I don't think we yep. do. He might <laughs> traumatic. Might it be was, too, might be too traumatic. I don't know about it's you. It's okay, but look at it now. They've yeah. got a full, this is a limited release though. So, I mean, go out and get it for sure because it's not going to be around long. And then yep. Reven- Revenge of the Narc. And that's for you, Friar. <laughs> I love it. Revenge of the Narc. But thanks, Backcountry, for all your support. And today on the podcast, we have Mr. Russ Robertson. Hi, Russ. Good to see you again. Hello. <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> Sorry. He, you know who he is now. <laughs> I know exactly who he is. All right. Well, at least we've clarified this. So you do know who Russ is. Yes. I'm still trying to figure that one out, actually. Russ is a born and raised Squamish boy. Yeah, Russ? Correct. You're like multi-generation in Squamish, right? You're born and raised Squamish. Your family's well-known in Squamish also. My father actually was, uh, he's a war baby. So he was born in 1942. He actually never met his dad until he came back from the troop train uh, from World War II. So that he has this memory of actually, his first memory is seeing his dad come off a troop train. But they kind of, they stayed in, out in Richmond and they eventually moved to the Sea Sky area. So somewhere around late 40s. I think my granddad did a couple odd jobs until he eventually got on with PGE or Pacific Great Eastern, which then turned into BC Rail, which is now CN. So yeah, they lived at Delta Lake. There used to be a little village there. I think he just, he boarded here. So there was like a one-room schoolhouse. He actually had the bell for the for the school. He had it for years and he donated it back to the Whistler Museum there. I don't want to jump ahead here, but uh, you know, I, I don't have these odd thoughts that just slide in here, but uh, for my military career, well, know Pierre Burton, the writer. 
Yeah. Some of my favorite books are written by him, but he writes this book called Vimy. And uh, in there, he has this quote, which I've always followed through my military career, is that Americans go to war for glory, but Canadians go to war for souvenirs. So <laughs> I look at my dad, he probably took that bell and went, that's a souvenir. But, you know, 40 years later, he gave it back. But I'm pretty sure there's some people who might want some of my stuff back that's in my garage. But no, not yet. <laughs> nope, not having it. Not giving it back. Yeah. So, some of my friends know I'll sh- send them a picture of something like, you have the base shield for 8th Panzer Off Clearance Battalion? I'm like, yep. <laughs> So for those of you who don't know Russ, Russ is a retired Canadian Armed Forces. Um, There's a lot of different things. Like, what were your actual titles? In- okay, so yeah, I can I can talk to this quite easily. So I joined in 1990. As soon as I graduated from high school here in House and Secondary, I went to the recruiting office. Then I was in by November. I signed the dotted line on November 22nd, 1991. Then I was put on a plane, and I flew over to Cornwallis, Nova Scotia, and that's where we did basic training back in the day. So I started my career off as a armored crewman. You do a bunch of trades courses as well. So you do your basic training, I believe, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 12 weeks. Basic training isn't as sexy as I thought it would be. You know, growing up here, hunting and fishing and you know, being outdoors and hiking all the time, I kind of thought like, okay, we're going to get into guns and start shooting. But really the first part of it is all like kicking quarters. So you're just basically like pressing shirts, making beds, <laughs> shining floors, cleaning toilets. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. Was it, is there anything like in the movies? Anything like in the movies where you have it's, a drill sergeant in your face just screaming at you, tearing you down? Well, back then, I mean, you could still... I wouldn't say you didn't have drill sergeants in King of Forces. You, you'll have like a course sergeant. And what they'd have is master corporals. So they'd take care of most of the instruction. Some of the master corporals were pretty chill. Some of them were pretty crazy. I was lucky to have one that was kind of crazy. And I found in some ways the more firmer and strict they are, you actually perform better. At least that's what I found. So if you had an instructor who were kind of like, yeah, 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 you know, we can just kind of, you know, shuffle that off or yeah, those boots look good enough. But when you work for somebody who's like, they expect a high standard, I found like then our section would perform a lot better than everybody else because well, there was that, just a higher standard. That also translates in the real world because in, in high school, I had like the worst English teacher, but then I, I did the most work for that teacher and I actually learned more from that strict teacher. <laughs> Firm in it. And I found like over the years, like sometimes you meet people that are intimidating, but what you find out is they're genuine. And there's that, they're intimidating because they're actually a genuine person in contrast mm-hmm. to somebody who's intimidating because they're just puffing their chest up and, you know, look at me, I'm big and tall and... You gotta be scared of me because I pick on people smaller than me. Like it's Marcus, like no, <laughs> like, like Marcus, not sure. at all. So then I went to um, I went to the armor school in Gagetown, New Brunswick, and that was another twelve week course. So you basically learn all the basics of being an armored crewman. So learning how to use a radio, armored fighting vehicle recognition, all the different weapon systems, and then you go on. At the time, you'd go on to another like specialized course. So for me, it was uh, what they called Armored Vehicle General Purpose Driver or Cougars. And I did that. And it's like basically driving a big boat because that's what we called them. Had like a 76 millimeter gun on it and a little 7.62 coax. And they were basically a El Cheapo knockoff tank with wheels. <laughs> the best the Canadian Army could offer. There you yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I served in those things. I went over in Bosnia twice with them. And I would say after actually being in Bosnia, they were pretty good. We had to put a bit of up armor on them and stuff like that. But for a peacekeeping vehicle, yeah, they're not bad. 
what made you end up wanting to do this? Like, why after high school? Where? Like, what made you serve in the military? Was there any like your dad was in the military? He experienced a lot. My grandfather, your grandfather was. was yeah, was, yeah. I may be part of it, but I will say like my grandfather used to tell me real war stories. Yeah, and you know, there's always that thing like a lot of people don't veterans just won't really talk about war stories very often. Like I'll tell funny stories or really stupid stories, but I'm not going to really get into you know. It's difficult to explain. Uh, for some people, it's easy. But, you know, when you're trying to explain, like, especially when you've served overseas and you see how people are in different parts of the world and you come back here to Canada, we have a whole different mojo going on here. It's still planet Earth, but you go over to Afghanistan or Bosnia during their civil war and you're kind of scratching your head like, why are they doing this to each other? So when you come back here and you try to explain that, a lot of people just look at you because this is the world they're used to. It's kind of like we have it really good here. And when people start like complaining about, oh, we're oppressed and this is going on, it's like no, not even close to that. Like we have it really good in this country, like amazing. When I was in Afghanistan, I'd have to brief people coming in and I would say things like, look, if you see a guy beating his wife, do not intervene. And they'd be like, well, why? why? I said, look, there's no women's shelters here. There's no social network. There's no system. As a matter of fact, do you think you're going to go out there, oh, be a big hero, save a woman from getting beat up? Guess where she has to go back to? It's like those hard realities of the world outside of Canada. That, And it might sound like I'm being a horrible person, but that's actually making that person safer. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but that's the way it is. And if you're places like, for me, when I was in Bosnia, trying to figure out like, okay, this is Europe, right? They're in a civil war. And, you know, when I'm very young and very naive, so I'm like, what, 23 years old, go over there and you have all these grandiose ideas. Yeah, we're Canada. We're peacekeepers. We're going to go stop this war. Then after a little while, you know, I get held hostage. We're getting shot at all the time. And our rules of engagement don't allow us to shoot back. And you start going like, why are we here? Then you start also understanding as well the bigger picture outside of, you know, we're raised in this nice little country back in Canada where we have all our, you know, good values and everything's pretty fair. Then you're trying to wrap your head around, okay, so these people live next door to each other and next thing you know, they're killing each other. And then you'll start asking people in Bosnia, like, why are you doing this? Revenge for World War II. And I'm just like sitting there, my jaw is dropping, like, revenge for World War II? Wow. Well, that doesn't make any sense. But it's just got to understand that in that part of the world, they've just been doing it for so many years. They just have that cycle of hatred and it goes around in circles. I'm pretty sure it didn't help that, you know, you had Marshal Tito when it was Yugoslavia. Then he kind of like made all these people who didn't get along. Now you're getting along and you will get along or my secret police will stop. But then you still have all this anger and stuff festering up, right? So basically you're just shoving it down, but in a way it's still there, Bosnia, which was also mind-blowing, is like you'd have like Serbs selling weapons to Bosniaks, Croats selling weapons to Bosniaks to be used against them. It's just mind-blowing when you start seeing all that type of like black market activity and all these things that happen in a war zone. It is not like a movie at all. And it's hard to comprehend for anybody else who just, if your only idea of, you know, war movies is Saving Private Ryan... That's, yet again, it's all fiction. It's not reality. Now, you were held hostage in Bosnia? You just skirted over that one. Just, that was just <laughs> like, yeah, you know, we got held hostage. How well, okay, so there was 55 of us. So we were, our camp was in Visico, 
we were on the Serb side, so there's the Bosniak side, and it was really kind of like how they do their war there. It was very like World War One trench warfare stuff. It's bizarre. Like, that doesn't really happen anymore. So we were at a bridge, and it was part of on the one side of the bridge is Bosniaks, and then we're on the Serb side of the bridge. And our observation post was co-located. We had Serbians with us. And this is actually a funny story. I'll, I'll tell this one out. So we're working with these Serb guys all the time. You just you understand their little how they do things, right? They kind of come in. They're kind of lazy, whatever. You know, they're just sitting in an observation post, playing cards, drinking Slavo. Then this one day, they just started acting like really weird. Like their, their anxiety was up and they started like their field phone step started kept on going off. So I, I get to my sergeants there, Bane, and I'm like, Bane, what's going on here? These guys, like, I started thinking like, I think we're going to get attacked. It's like, these guys are really panicking. So we're thinking like, well, I guess we're fighting with these guys because we're in the observation post. Like we don't know what's going on, but they're getting more nervous. So we like, okay, we bring our cougars into the observation post really tight we grab like the we grab the m72s we're grabbing more ammo loading up grenades and these guys are panicking more and more and we're just like hey man it's all cool like we're with you <laughs> and they're just like panicking more and more then finally like they've got their guns and we're oiling up our guns making sure everything is good to go and i bring over a jug of gun oil and i put it on their table and i'm like get those guns greased up boys and uh <laughs> then all of a sudden it comes over the radio that uh, we're all detained by the Bosnian Serb army. Then I started laughing because I thought it was kind of funny because it's like, oh, look, these guys are probably like, they're watching us out get bombed up because they think we know what's going on, but we have no clue what's going on. So they're getting this message like, look at them. They're, they know we're going to hold them hostage. So we're getting like all gunned up and loading up all our ammo. And here I am as like the final thing, like slam some gum oil on their table going, yeah, yeah, make sure those guns are greased up good. We make this a good, nice, uh, make this a nice fair fight, right? And uh, yeah, then we get the radio message and it was kind of like, oh man, okay. And at first it was, we we're just like sitting there like, okay, well, what's going on? We had our weapons. Then after a while, it just started turning into like um, after a few days and it was like, oh, you're detained. And then we started like, you got to remember, we're shut off from any type of information, right? This is before the Internet. I had like a 15 minute phone call every two weeks to my family. That's how things ran back then. So we have no information on what's going on. But slowly, we're getting like this information about, OK, it's the Americans were bombing Serb positions. So that's why we're being detained to stop Americans from bombing these positions. And I'm like, okay, are we being detained now? Or is this like, it's, it changes the, the terminology a bit, right? So there's being detained because you're going into a foreign country and maybe you have some drugs on you or you have a warrant or something like that or suspicion. Then there's like, okay, but if they're detaining us, but the whole thing is Americans must stop bombing, what happens if the Americans keep on bombing? <laughs> right? And did they? Well, they did eventually. So we're there for about two weeks, about... But after a few days, we're eventually moved to a military police facility, which was an old daycare, and shoved in. And then, 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 yeah, yeah. Then it was like, okay. With your well, weapons. Still with no, your no, 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 no. We had to lock our weapons up inside of our vehicles now. And I'm like, this is just bizarre. And then it got to the point where they were eventually going to do this whole big rescue mission. Because I'm like, well, why? We have our weapons. I mean, and there was the whole big special forces thing. The joke of the mission was called Operation Get Dead. <laughs> because it was just, you know, it was just a horrible, not a well thought out plan. Because you basically, because now we're in this t community called Iliash, and it's about, what, 10 kilometers away from the camp. And there's only one access road. 
and it's covered by guns and you have to get across the bridge. So you're trying to like, what do you have to secure a bridge? They've got tank Serbs got tanks up on the Hills. Like, yeah, this is not going to work out well, but eventually they just said, okay, yep, you're free to go. That was it. It was very anticlimactic. So you lock your yeah. you lock your guns and yes. all your we belongings were into your truck, your Humvee or your armored vehicle. The yeah, Cougars. The we Cougar. were ordered to lock our weapons up. You lock your to, your, to, you know because we're we're I'm good just, Canadians, I'm, right? I'm, I'm just we're trying, trying to play fair. Trying to wrap this around my head and make sure everybody oh, yeah. understands. You you willingly like hey you're detained. <sighs> We don't get to be Terminator it's and fight. Different. It's different. They're it's, peacekeepers. It's, okay, it's kind of like different. This. I get this, but then you lock yourself Their up mission in is totally cooler. different. This is I get like, it. I'm, just yeah. trying to, I'm trying to walk this along the path okay. for, for my mind here. And they like, okay, you're detained. Lock your, all your stuff in your in your cougar. You lock your stuff up, and that's just it. For a couple of weeks. You don't really know what's going on. You're just hanging out. And then what? They just come back and go, yeah, no. And they give you the keys back to the cougar? No, we had the keys. We're just locked up. I know the whole this thing was just nowhere. like this is like this is ridiculous. Like why? Why well, this could be? Top I was like Maverick this could have been here. over in like five minutes. Well, they, well, were you outgunned at that point? That's why you're like we're not going to do anything because we're already outgunned. We'll just sit here until they figure. Okay, we're not going to shoot now. Can oh I yeah, now? We're totally, okay. See you later. Totally outgunned. I mean, yeah. Like they, you uh, said, there's one road in, one run exactly. road, it's, and, and it's, it's totally got a bridge covered, on it, exactly. and everybody's pointed. At yeah, the exactly. and it's in a in a, it was in a, like a valley, so you know hillsides. Yeah. So tactically, you just like all right, whenever you want to let me go, bud. Did they feed you properly? And oh, we fed ourselves. You fed yourselves, like yeah. you have food, access to all. Well, of yeah, no, they they like let a supply run come over and okay, here's here's more food for us. <laughs> it was just like didn't make so, any well, sense. So they it was were like, very diplomatic about it. Then. Yeah, Canadians, yeah, being very diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, they're very yeah. diplomatic. They talked it out, Russ. You yeah. didn't need to use force. We we just we talked it out. Canadians. We hugged. Everything was good. I don't think See, it was Marcus just a matter of that they, this morning. Serbs got what they wanted. And it, to me, it was just, it was very eye-opening to see, like, kind of, like I said, you have this idea that you're a UN peacekeeper. You're there to, you know, help bring an end to the fighting. Then you realize it's like, no. It's this part of Europe. I think in some ways, you know, the rest of Europe probably looks, oh, it's the Balkans. They just do that all the time. And if you don't have a background in understanding the history of that country, which I didn't really at that time and then once you start like oh okay i get it now this is just how they roll but this is also around the time where we started scaling back our peacekeeping because rwanda was happening and then that was happening and then we kind of realized yeah maybe we shouldn't be doing this as much than we originally planned or hoped to as canadians because i know canada we initiated the peacekeeping program we were one of the first ones to do it that's why we've been recognized for it but we're no longer kind of in that role anymore this is above my pay grade, but I can tell you after we finished doing that mission with the United Nations, nobody in my unit wanted to ever put on a blue beret ever again. They were just like, I understandably though, right? Yeah. Right. Like I, I burned my blue beret after that. I was like, screw that. Then, then I went back like six months later, uh, with the, uh, the implementation force. So I four, and that was all the Dayton peace accord. So basically the war came to an end and we just went in there for the first months and made sure everybody adhered to the, the peace accord and it was actually a, that was a good tour and it was nice because we had very robust uh, rules of engagement so i mean if somebody wanted to like it's not like the tour before where somebody just shoot at you and you couldn't shoot back you think of like a police officer here in uh, in canada if some guy started lighting them up with it they'd be like they'd have the whole police force out there like yeah you're gonna shoot at me but there it's like no 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 just they're they're just drunk 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's just away. a drunk guy shooting at me. That's perfectly That's acceptable. Better, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel so much more comfortable with this <laughs> Way situation. So, so, Russ, we're here ahead of Remembrance Day. Yeah. And you've got the poppy on. My question is, do you, do you think, I, I almost feel like we, we have a generation now that's growing up and becoming young adults that's just desensitized to war and, and has this kind of this, just like we just discussed, this, this glorified look on war, you know, the top guns and the, you know, the, the full metal jackets and, and this kind of stuff and that purview of it. Do you see it like that? Do you think it's, is there still empathy for, you know, for our veterans, number one, and, oh, yeah. and for war? I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but war is like the frog and the scorpion. It's in our nature. It's how humans are. And in a certain parts of the world, that's it's going to keep on going that way. Somebody would say the secret to peace is steak because everybody gets a nice steak. They don't want to go back to like spam. But in parts of the world, they just, nope. It's just, that's the way it is. And you can't, I don't think you kind of rationalize it and say, well, maybe if you guys just, you know, all try to get along, that works all great when everybody's taking some edibles, but, you know, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't work so well in the world of reality. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, like, you and me and our generation, I mean, we still had, like, lots of World War II veterans, right? That was something, like, we go to House Sound Secondary School, and every year Mr. Mitchum would get up there and start yelling at us, and... <laughs> <laughs> You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You remember, yeah. Yeah. right? And it's kind of like you know, but but for me, because my grandfather and he'd have his friends, and then he'd tell me stories about stuff like, you know, in World War Two, and a lot of times he would start crying telling me these stories. Also because you know, I'd go to the Legion, and you still had a lot of World War Two veterans in the nineties. They'd be at the Legion, and I always like ask them questions and stuff like that. But you had just you came from World War Two, where there's just so many veterans. To now, it's like say how many people deployed to Afghanistan over the 12, 13 years that we were there. And and only that, when they come back, usually you're at a base, and I'll throw this out, if you're a reservist, right, and you say you're in a tour in Afghanistan, so you're parachuted in with another unit. So you're not really part of that unit. After your tour rotation is over, you're parachuted back to, say, like Vancouver. And you have nobody with any connection to what you just went through. We talk about PTSD. It, it's it's a thing, right? Not everybody gets it. Though. No, that's a myth. Yeah, not everybody gets PTSD. If you join, the, now it's almost like if you join the army, you're going to get a PTSD. That's not true whatsoever. Yeah, it does affect people differently. I, I've seen people have PTSD, and it was just a, a mild little incident in a, in a car accident. Yeah, like an operational stress you know, injury or something. Because I've seen things in my day where, so I know some people would just be like, they wouldn't be able to handle it. And it just comes down to the person, really, when it comes down to that. But the, the question, I think what he's trying to figure out is whether our youth, are we giving the youth the proper message and understanding that war is devastating and it's not to be glorified and, and that the fact that less and less people are wearing poppies is that concerning and how do we re reverse that? Well, I can just tell you as being the Squamish Legion president, I'll be speaking to my kids' school uh, Garibaldi Highlands, and I know the House Sound Secondary School is really gung-ho to get me to talk there, but I can only be so many places at once. It's a really excellent question you asked me, and this is where if I were a politician doing a press conference, I'd say, can I please have a sip of water so I can think about it more? But, <laughs> uh, I know yesterday, so yesterday I'm out poppy tagging in front of Walmart. A lot of people very generous there, but you know, it's like all things. It, not really a lot of people were getting poppies, and I think Part of it is just because we don't have so many veterans anymore. That's really a big part of it. And what we do have, there are a lot of them are very much concentrated in like Edmonton or Petawawa 
or, you know, these kind of bases. Yeah. So in those communities that probably have no problem, but when you're looking at somewhere Squamish, I mean, do we really have like a deep military connection? When I talk to the kids at Garibaldi Highland School, I'm going to ask them like, how many people here know a veteran? Probably be surprised to see it's not going to be really a lot of hands come up. Now, if you would have asked that 30 years ago, a lot of hands would have went up. So it comes down to the message. I mean, for, yeah, well, yeah, that's like got to work on that one. But, you know, the message I would like to get across is like, yeah, there's still veterans and there's still going to be wars. And we just can't like, oh, well, you know. And here's the thing. What I do really recognize is that, you know, as much as people like to bitch and complain about certain things, you know, if there was a natural disaster in Canada, you'd see everybody like drop their bullshit and they would be helping out. That's how Canada is. Then until, you know, then when everything starts going back to normal, then we all start pitching again. Uh, take like a few years ago when Nathan Cirillo was shot at the Cenotaph in Ottawa. Huge outpouring of support. So, I mean, that's just what happens. In, in doing running a poppy campaign, and it kind of like, okay, yeah, it's Remembrance Day, right? For me, it's a big thing. And I will say this, um, now that I'm out, I find it actually much more emotional. Uh, because when I'm in, I just, okay, let's do a Remembrance Day Parade. Mm-hmm. You just kind of just shut it off. Then now that I'm out, then I think about all my friends and all that kind of stuff. It's like actually much harder. And I was actually like, I don't know if I want to go to Remembrance Day. But I'm like, no, we're doing this. And now I'm running it. So Well, the, 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 schools, the schools are definitely fortunate. Because so, I like more stress. Right. The, the schools are definitely more fortunate to have you come in and talk about it. Mainly because like, I'm totally against this in British Columbia that Remembrance Day is a holiday. I like the fact that we had to go to school on Remembrance Day because I grew up in Ontario. But you had that assembly and you had the video and you had people come up and talk about war and talk about what we've done and what how we have achieved uh, militarily as a nation and what we've, uh, how we contributed to the safety of the world sort of thing. And you actually learn about Canadian history and military and how this is shit. This is something that we should avoid at all costs. And, you know, here in British Columbia, we don't have, we have the day off. And I don't think anyone really sits at home with their children and talks about why we have a day off for Remembrance Day. So, I, and this would be the first time you're talking at the school, right? You didn't go last year or the year before. I've, I've spoken to, uh, I have spoken in schools in the past. I did remember when we were doing Remembrance Day and the, that weird split up in Brenham Park, then, or the Civic Center, then we go downtown. I'm glad we just all do it downtown now. It's a nice, tight ceremony. It is nice to have these ceremonies. And I think you're right, Marcus. I think there's, I guess I was trying to speak before about just the disconnect with war and, and our role that we that, that Canada played in both World War One and World War Two. First of all, I mean, the whole reason why we have November 11th is because of World War One, and, and it was a horrible mess. It was a mess, like trench warfare, just charging endlessly. It it was not good. And that's why afterwards, you know, part of the Legion was formed was actually to support veterans benefits because, you know, if a country can probably get out of not paying bills, (laughs) they'll they'll be like, Oh, they're okay. Yeah. You guys did, uh, you know, served your country. Right. And they're like, Hey man, I got these problems and you got to look after us here. And then you have like veterans advocacy, which is the Legion. Then you have remembrance day saying, okay, you know, on the 11th hour, the 11th day, you know, the 11th month, we're going to take two minutes to remember how horrible this was. But as it moves further away, you know, people just like, they'll just forget because it's not in their face. And should it be? Not necessarily. I don't think I it would be a good be, thing if you I, had a civil war here in Canada. Well, <laughs> we can look to our neighbors in the South. Maybe that's going to happen there. But I'm just saying like in terms of Legion and, and messaging and what we can be doing more 
for I'm not saying we do it all year round. No, but I'm just saying when it comes to Remembrance Day, um, bringing that message out because I, to me it is a bit disconcerting that the poppies are not being picked up. My grandparents were in the war. I lived in the Middle East, and I've I've had a lot of military friends who've done tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. I've talked to a lot of people who've been extensively active in the military, and this is something that and you're right. There is a bit of disconnect in Canada because we are a little we're in our little bubble over here in comparison to how the rest of the world works. So it's it's trying to get, like the best way to get out there and and tell people like this is shit and we need to be doing a better job of it, and and getting people to participate and learn about our mistakes and how we can avoid these conflicts. I think we we're talking about that earlier about you know if you don't learn from your mistakes you're going to repeat them over and over again. I've always been like one of those people who's like okay I screwed something up how am I going to make this right the next time, and even saying like going to Bosnia once and I just kind of felt like in a way I felt like you know, we failed in our mission. Then when I went back again, I was like, okay, I'm going to make this right now. And that's basically what we did. Like, okay, there was no more fighting. It took NATO to make it happen. You know, because I think it would have just festered endlessly under the UN because the UN is, you know, sorry about my toothless. thing is like, you can't, well, toothless. you can't spell, uh, you can't spell unethical without UN. <laughs> or uninvolved. <laughs> So, Russ, you retired in 2019? 2018. Yeah. So, how many years did you serve then? Uh, 28 and change. Wow. What is life like after transition? Uh, I thought, like, when I first retired, then I'd be like, okay, I mean, just like sit back and, you know, spend some time with the kids and stuff like that, which is great, but I like to work. I just like sitting around. I'm like a, you know, a, a blue healer dog that somebody subbed in a one bedroom apartment and never takes out for a walk. I'm just barking at furniture. So, so you know. You got three kids though, hey? So you, yeah, that keeps, keeps you busy, busy right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when they listen or they're not like doing Lord of the Flies or something like that. Well, you're not, you, you mean you're, you don't have them lined up at the end of their beds yeah. at the bunk and, and making no, sure the shoes no, are signed? No, That's what no, you should no. be doing. I mean, it's quite honestly. I do like, I, I am firm with them. Right, but no, I wouldn't do that. Like, like <laughs> you want to try it on my inspection? I say, do you, you want to try it on my? Like, drop. I'd probably be better with other kids than my own kids because <gasps> we all know how that. You know how yeah. that always do works. That. Do you yeah. want to put our kids through a boot camp? Maybe we should do that. <laughs> Let's do Definitely that. My kids, in terms of cleaning up, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I see like a lot of parents. You know, like, you know, when you have three kids, you just can't be like all hairy fairy. You got to, you know, they're running this way and that way. You got to be a bit of discipline and strict sometimes like I don't necessarily want to be but you know when you see your kids like charging into traffic it's not like hey 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 can we like get over here and let's let's do a hug let's discuss about what happened it's like no no you know like explaining here. everything to minutia to a child is pointless because first of all they're probably not even listening they're just like uh-huh yeah like and we all think about when we're kids and we had our parents give us lectures how is that now but we remember when dad was really upset as i say like old squamish dads everybody worked really hard and had low blood mm-hmm. sugar and drank a lot <laughs> so, <laughs> like fryer we we, <laughs> take it easy on me the low blood sugar for sure. The low, low blood sugar for sure. High <laughs> blood pressure, 100%. One, 100%. That's probably just me being me. I almost lament Don Terry being not on hockey night in Canada because he was he was a real advocate for our veterans. Which his rant, actually, that's what got him off hockey night. Yeah, and then, exactly. Ironically. So, and I mean, and, and that's where it all started. It started with the poppies and the you people, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and at day's end, 
he was doing it for the right reason. Yeah. He, he was doing it to support the Legion and yes. to support our veterans because you grow up on Saturday nights yep. watching hockey night in Canada and you have Coach's Corner and oh, yeah. Coach's Corner, either depending on the severity of the issue or, or the moment, it either started with something or ended with something in tribute to our servicemen in our country. Yeah. I would agree with you that he was really good, but he comes from that generation. I even found like in the Legion where it's kind of like shame. You're going to do this. And if you don't, you're not very good. Nobody buys that into that anymore. Like guilting and shaming people. It doesn't really work. You got to just think of a better persuasive argument, quite frankly, to persuade people into why you should wear a poppy. I mean, if somebody tried mm -hmm. to guilt or shame me into something, yeah, okay, I'll give you some money, but I'm not going to do it again, and I'm going to walk away with a bad taste in yeah. my mouth, right? So that's kind of as president of the Squamish Legion what I've been trying to do, and in a few days you're going to see this. We're going to have the first time in the history of Squamish we're going to have banners of veterans up on Cleveland Avenue. Nice. That's excellent. Yeah, and I do a nice little throw it to see the Sky Gondola and Kirby for helping us out with that. And former Century guest. Signs. A former and guest of the Where You At Buds podcast, yeah. Mr. And, Kirby. And uh, Lake Electric. That's Girl. excellent. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the kind of stuff we're talking about, Russ, is, is this is why you're here ahead of Remembrance Day is to, to keep it forefront, to talk about these things, to talk to somebody like yourself who served our country proudly. Next question is, we talked about the transition out of the service. Do you think the Canadian government's doing enough for our veterans currently? Because well, like, there's always a lot of that political kind of back and forth you know, about governments of the day, whether they're taking care of our, of our veterans an, an well enough. Okay, so an excellent program I can recommend, which is now somewhat funded, uh, I believe it is funded by Veterans Affairs Canada, but is a private uh, nonprofit called the Veterans Transition Network. Amazing. They run a program, they pay for everything, your accommodations, your food, and it's just like it could be anything from a person who has post-traumatic stress disorder, or they're just having a hard time trying to transition because... What do I say? Like being in the military is like Scientology without a Lord Zenu, right? You know, it is a cult in a way. Like you're living this whole lifestyle. Like you have a hierarchy and you're doing all these things. And one of the things like as ridiculous as this sounds, this is where I realized, okay, I got to get myself checked out here. But I have my kids at the school and I'm like looking, okay, if an active shooter comes from this way, I'm going to take my kids, do that. Oh, wow. and, do, and I'm like, and I'm doing this all the time. And I'm like, you, you go into a restaurant, you're like, okay, if somebody comes in with a, you're going to think this is the exits, this is, a, wow. I'm like, this is crazy, that's but that's just, what you have that's to the do. Training. That's your training. That's your training. And some people go, oh, you're brainwashed. It's not brainwashing, it's conditioning. Mm -hmm. So like I can literally still pick up a C7 weapon and do all the drills and I probably wouldn't even, it'd just be like that. Just automatic. It would just go. And there's certain things that I can do it just because I've done it so many times, like if I'm on the parade square, right? And I can just do like a present arms with a rifle as I've done it hundreds of times. Right. So there's certain things, but, but you just start conditioning yourself because you're always looking for threats, but then it becomes unhealthy. Now, now I'm a civilian. I'm like, I don't, I don't need this in me anymore. And it's just, but it comes such your nature that you don't realize you're doing it. Then I'm like, I sh I sh should I be doing this right now? That's the disconcerting part of it. this way. Yeah. <laughs> and I like, you know, and I think there was a while there, I think a lot of parents at Garibaldi Highlands, I mean, like, they just sit me, I'd be sitting in the corner type of thing waiting for my kids to get out, which is, I find really weird because when we went to school, didn't we just walk to Brackendale Elementary School? Yeah. I just walked down the tracks. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of different. 
I have a hard time get, getting used to that too. It's just like all these parents there, and I'm just like, why hey, are all these parents here? I just hide in the corner too, and I don't. I didn't even <laughs> serve in the military. I just don't want to talk to anybody at the Highlands, yeah. right, Marcus? You see me. You're both Prote- in the corner in your pajamas. You're definitely not hiding because I see you. Well, but I'm hiding on my phone and like hood on or something. And it, it took me nobody a while. talk to me, please. It took me a while to be like a lot more like okay, I got to be not so introverted because I have this whole like you know I'm in my here's the brothers I know and I trust. They're, that's my that's my gang, right? I know these people. I know them inside and out. I know how they're going to react. And then when I'm just interacting with other people, I'm it was like very like, uh, okay, try not to say something stupid, <laughs> right? Or 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 like my very dark sense of army humor, which I I've learned how to <laughs> yeah. like. So if if you're on like my Facebook and my my friends on Facebook, my army friends, you'll see me write stuff on there, and I know everybody's laughing. But if yeah. I crack that joke, it was like um, about four years ago, and my neighbors in the place you were at invited mm-hmm. me over to like a uh, little Christmas party. I was like, okay. So I've already had a couple of beer and I'm going over there and there's all like this newer generation. And I come from this, you know, 1970s to army generation, like whatever, like a darker world, you know, they're all saying that the person's like, Oh, and this is like gluten free and this is gluten free. And I sit, and I go like, Hey, do you got anything with gluten? And it was like dead <laughs> silence. And I was like, Hey man, that, that joke would crush in the military Marcus group. Like smiling. <laughs> And, and, and he's, so anyways, That's then they're doing this like, and you know, they're really nice people. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, I'm just like from a different world. Yeah. You know, they're doing this mystery murder thing. Oh, and of course now I've probably had like way too many beers. My dark army humor is really like, I'm, I'm trying to contain myself because I'm like, don't say any jokes, Russ. Just don't, don't do it. Then it, it gets more intense, right? They're doing their whole who done it, and I said uh, I made some Columbo joke. Oh, and one last thing, and they're just all kind of like everybody just looked at me like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "It's Columbo. <laughs> who is Peter Columbo? Falk? <laughs> Columbo. You know the the aloof detective who was really smart, but he acted aloof. <laughs> was he a vegan? Like so, it's just like yeah, and and you'll have joke because in the military you just have like you get a dark sense of humor because those are your like, it's your coping mechanism, your coping me- mechanism. And I'll, I'll tell this other in Bosnia. On my second tour, for whatever reason, trigger warning out there for some people, there was this river and I believe it was Bosniaks or, I'm not too sure, but they basically dumped a whole bunch of bodies into the river. Bodies are all snagged along tree branches and stuff going down. It's like, it's very unsettling, but I had already been over to Bosnia once. So, and I was like, and a lot of, we had some newer guys and we're driving down the river and you can just pick up the vibe right away. Like people are getting intense. So we kind of pull over. I suggest that maybe we should pull over and everybody take a break because this is like really intense. Like this is not something most people are like privy to. Like this is people just been murdered, thrown off a bridge, and they're just hanging off trees. So I can get into my my dark portion of my humor because it is very intense. And I there's this body hanging off a tree and I go, I can tell what that person did for a living. So we're just all outside the vehicles now. And they're like, everybody's like, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean, Russ? I'm like, I can tell what that person did for a living there. How can you tell that? I said, well, like, he was a maestro. And they're like, what, what do you mean a maestro? You know, a music conductor. You know, you stand up and he waves a stick and he conducts the, the orchestra. And they're like, how could you tell that? And I go, ah, by the way, he's decomposing. <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're probably oh, you're going, what, you horrible monster. <laughs> but you got to remember, right? This is just like unnatural 
And if you don't crack a joke, everybody's <laughs> going to start overthinking this yeah. very quickly. And you got to like, hey, guys, hey, hey, we're not responsible yeah. for what happened here. We just showed up. We're going to document. We're going to record. And we're just going to keep on doing this. It's upsetting, but don't let starting get inside your head. Mm-hmm. Okay. I worked as a medic and I, I worked uh, as a third on an ambulance way back when. You did? And it was one of those things where it, they, their humor took me aback a couple of times but it's, it's just a coping mechanism you worked in a yeah for a bit and oh. and uh and it's just it's just a coping mechanism in terms of they joke around it's like did you see that guy how he's like prolapsed over this and how his guts were hanging out like and then they would tell stories and they would joke about it and it's just it's just for them to, to cope with what they're dealing with and what they're seeing mm-hmm. always it does if you do overthink it does that's when the trauma sits in yeah and you yeah. gotta like and that's or something where I learned on the first tour and then going on to my second tour. And then it's like, you, oh, did I learn something? Did I gain some wisdom? No, not really. But but you just kind of like, you, you got to sit there and go, yeah, we don't, they're younger guys. This is the first time they're seeing something like this. And they're like, they come from Canada. You know, what's the worst thing you might see in Canada? Maybe you come across a traffic accident before right. they've covered it up. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if we had like a natural disaster of a big scale of something like, I don't know, maybe the barrier breaks down and this place all gets flooded out, right? Like those types of natural disasters where you would run into that type of like horrific sites that we're just not accustomed to here in Canada. I mean, for the most part, we keep everything pretty sanitary. So we've talked about the atrocities of war and we've talked about transitioning away and out of the Canadian Armed Forces. Currently, you're the president of the local legion here in Squamish, is that yes. correct? Yeah. And um, the legion, they do they do a lot of work to educate, you know, our, our youth and, and people here across Canada. Just tell us some of the stuff you guys are doing at the legion right now, gearing up uh, towards the Remembrance Day ceremony. So and, we've just, started our poppy campaign. So you'll see people out tagging in front of Walmart and Save on Foods and that kind of stuff. Our goal that we'd really like to do is if everybody in Squamish could just donate $2, that would be amazing. And then our amazing secretary, Kella, is also taking uh, some action. She has written a bunch of letters out to businesses to ask for corporate donations. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Like, I mean, this is the first time I've ran something like this. So for me, it's like, okay, let's, first of all, it's Remembered Stay, so you can't screw that up. There's no margin of error, mm-hmm. right? Because then you'll have veterans. If you do one thing wrong, you know, I know how veterans are. They're going to be like, you screwed that up, dude. <laughs> or or there's also like the, um, what I've been working with the Squamish Legion particularly. I mean, it's always been really good, but just updating it and getting it into this decade. I look at like whenever you're in charge of things, it's the boring stuff that matters, right? So if a person's a politician and they're just doing like photo ops and I, like, as I said to John French, like, just make sure the water's good. Make sure we have good sewers, right? When I look at the Legion, I'm, I I look at it like, okay, we need a new point of sale system. We needed a heat pump. So these are things like they're boring and unsexy, but they're important. People just take those things for granted. So I look at as president of just getting all those things kind of sorted out. Then we have like, then I came up with like, we need to see, people need to see us out in the community. Because a lot of times people like, you got to look at all those stereotypes of legions, right? Oh, it's a private drinking club. Mm-hmm. It's just for veterans. Like none of these things are true. Yeah, that's what people think. Anybody can join the legion. Even as a veteran, I understand it's not everybody's going to join the military. It's not in their wheelhouse. They have other things they want to pursue. I don't sit there and go, well, you didn't serve and that's not good. Like that's ridiculous, right? You don't have to have served in order to show support. That's just me. 
I'm pretty easy going about it. When it comes to Legion, I mean, anybody can join. And we do other things other than just, it's just not like a private military club. So I run, I've been running the bed races now with, uh, for Squamish Days for about six years. And I can do a throw out to the Squamish Days. Jacqueline, amazing president. I love working with them. And I've learned a lot off of Squamish Days and how they organize things. I've made, matter of fact, I've taken a lot of stuff from them and applying that to the Legion. So that comes with, you know, people need to see us in the community. We're one of the, we're probably one of Squamish's oldest service clubs. I think we were founded in like 1931. And here's a little bit of history for you. So the original Legion was then turned into the Loggers Inn. Oh, yeah. interesting. Really? Yes. Downtown. So that was the original Legion. Loggers Inn. So and then in like 1974, they had a Legion over in Woodfiber. Then they amalgamated the Squamish Legion and the Woodfiber Legion because they closed the old town site. And then that went on to the corner there where Canadian Tire is and that massive lot in that huge old legion. Right. But eventually... Oh, right. I forgot about that building. Yeah. Eventually, I think what had happened was they were approached by a developer. This is long before I was, you know, I was off in the military doing my army stuff. But uh, then it was Canadian Tire and then they built the new legion. I guess they couldn't afford the whole thing, so they just kept the lounge part. And then the downstairs is, of course, uh, Tantalus Bike Shop. My whole thing, when I first started coming back here, or when I moved back here, and I went to Legion, I guess kind of like, this feels like a cafeteria in a hospital. Like, it's got no vibe. You know, and a lot of members would be like, oh, we need new members, younger members. But it's like when they're saying, like, we want change, but we don't want change. And when you're leading change, you have to do it very slowly. You just can't be like uh, a bull in a china shop. So even in my military career, whenever I get posted somewhere, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be there for three, four years. See? Did you see me jump? No post-traumatic stress disorder or anything? No? Okay. Oh, I see me jump? <laughs> for, the, for the people listening, there was some kind of gunshot or firecracker fire in the background. It happened yeah. twice. It's like, I didn't hit the ground time. or anything it's, it's like that. There we go. It's that time of year. It's that yeah. time of year. Facebook Squamish Speaks is flooded with my dog my is going crazy. Yeah. My dog is going crazy. How dare these teenagers? So, yeah. What? So I started looking at is like, how can we fix this place up? So you just small steps... What could we do? So the first thing I was able to do was we fixed up the front. The You walk into the, the Legion at the time, and it looked like an old union office. Just like clutter everywhere. I'm like, this isn't inviting. It should have like a good sense of decorum. If it's a club, it should feel nice, right? So we, me and my dad, who's still very active for 80 and very handy, like a good good wood fiber dad and uh, so we kind of made a logo for the front so as soon as you walk in you kind of see this nice big sign so it's just like bringing up the the appearance and we painted the hallway going upstairs then it just kind of like you know that whole like stone soup thing right okay yeah you got to bowl let's somebody oh you know what make the soup better uh, how about a bit mm-hmm. of onion right yeah oh, yeah yeah turnips actually you know you got a great soup so that's the way i approach it just small steps just like doing it you know okay then eventually i got us a nice big chunk of cedar from squamish days for our bar top put that in there and then it just started going it's like once you have like that your centerpiece is mm-hmm. like and now it's like okay the next thing you know we're getting more cedar then aj forest products donated us a bunch of cedar and then fisher uh donated us a bunch of some of their scrap wood from their hardy board that didn't work out didn't meet their quality control but we took some of that and started putting on the walls so we're just slowly getting there and on friday i spent the better part of the day writing a new horizons grant to get us new floors it's i know it's like unsexy but you know i want to be part of something when i'm there i want to feel like this is important it's got some history here of good vibe a good vibe so we're like looking at like 
the history of Squamish, you know, and veterans, and just kind of wrapping that all together into one group. So if somebody wants to drop by the Legion, gone are the days where, you know, somebody's going to yell at you, like, get that hat off, because, you know, we can't wear hats in the Legion, right? Or just staring at you going like, what are you doing here? Like, no, I just totally called people out on that. That's not any good. Like, if you want people, you want to be good. If you want to be vibrant and profitable, you have to get people in the door, not scare them away mm-hmm. and be part of your like, well, maybe if we just abuse you, we'll let you in. I'm like, no, that's not, <laughs> that is yeah. not a good business model for a nonprofit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hazing doesn't sell. <laughs> No. So yeah, yeah, it's just like inviting people in, showing us what we're about, and just in coming and enjoy our world famous Mitra. The Legion is in the process of bringing itself current and and becoming this viable space for people to come and then to have a a cold pop on a on a warm day or to go in and and even to chat. So mm-hmm. Russ, our, prices, your social media. our prices are like the best in town. Oh, I love easily. that. What do we got coming up here for for Remembrance Day? What has the Legion got going on, and, and what are some of the um, well, yeah, it's commemorations. Like a, yeah, yeah, what are some of the commemorations you guys have going on? Oh, uh, basically, it's just really just focusing on the Remembrance Day service, which pretty much keeps my hands full and when I'm trying to do that on weekends and shoving three kids in there. And when is that <laughs> happening, Russ? When oh, that'll and be on where Friday. Do, who are the who, what, where's, why's, and how's of Okay, that? so Friday, Friday, November 11th at Stan Clark Park, which is uh, Cleveland Avenue down by the end there where the Cenotaph is. We'll have everybody there probably around like 10.30, but the service really starts basically about 10.58. And then we're going to do like our... Uh, Two minutes of silence. Uh, this year, I think I'm going to have a PA system and kind of explain things because I think a lot of people may not understand why we're doing certain things. Like, why are we doing two minutes of silence? Mm-hmm. Why is the piper doing a lament? Why is the bugler doing reveille? Like, so we'll sit there and explain those things. I don't want to get too much in detail because, like, I just like tight ceremony. I don't want to start getting into like, crazy speeches or then it just drags on then it then i think it just falls back into that thing of like oh i have to be here and i don't want that i want people to come there and also squamish dog owners please leave your dog far enough away we don't want the barking dogs during the two minutes of silence mm-hmm. please uh what's going on at the legion on remembrance day oh so that's usually our busiest day where all all hands are on deck basically it's just where everybody can come afterwards if you want to come now we only have like seating for 80 people so we have to keep somebody at the door to make sure we do not exceed that capacity but otherwise that's about it it's like we get a lot of veterans to come there the the, a lot of people i'll never see like it's weird i'll see people in squamish with veterans plates all the time and i'm almost like i wave like i'm like i'm like a dog at a dog park looking for other dogs like <laughs> can i be your friend hey veteran because i find like a lot of veteran friends are like uh or people are veterans it's like that we just start talking about oh yeah who'd you serve with oh cool yeah i and start talking about them and it's just like nerd talk from there so i know that anyone could become a member of the legion anytime during the year but uh, for this time like when you want to raise funds for for poppies where, where can we get your poppies where, where can we get information Social media pages, how can people get in touch? <laughs> so we have our webpage, which has been updated, so it's no longer Netscape. Um, <laughs> yeah. our, our webmaster has done an amazing job bringing it to uh, this decade. You can get poppies, of course, you can drop by the Legion. We have poppies there, and most of the businesses around town have poppy trays. So I can, I'm not going to rattle off a, uh, a laundry list of them, but if you want to just do it by, like, um, by card, because I know a lot of people don't, 
carry cash anymore. Uh, Triton Steel has an electronic box. Van City or Squamish Credit Savings, they have a poppy box, and we have one at the Squamish Legion as well. That's key, I think. It's getting a little bit more electronic devices in there. Well, the legions aren't necessarily known for being, you know, with this decade. Well, you just got you just got out of Netscape, so <laughs> I'm putting that politely. <laughs> and I guess we're not on the social medias yet. We're not. That no, we have a we have a Facebook one, which I kind of manage, but it's like one of those things. Uh, I can only manage so many things at once. Yeah, I'm sorry, we don't have Twitter or anything like that because I'm just like trying to compete with Elon wouldn't be a smart idea. Yeah, and you'll see poppy trays everywhere. Really, I'd like if we can get our goal met of fifty thousand dollars. If everybody donates two dollars, everyone donate their two dollars. That would be amazing. Yeah. I greatly appreciate it. And as a veteran, I can say this: I know where that poppy money is going to. It's going to go to veterans, whether it be like financial assistance. But one of the big things we got in really good with uh, a program at UBC called the Institute for Veterans Education and Transition. And now we're providing bursaries for veterans to upgrade their education at university. And I'm really like those guys at that program are amazing. And I'm so happy they took all the time and effort to make that program a reality. And I'll also say if there's any veterans out there, check out the Veterans Transition Network if you're having a hard time adjusting. It's an amazing program. The staff there are incredible. They definitely, they understand veterans. So Russ, thanks uh, for joining us today on the Where You At Buds podcast, season two, kicking it off right ahead of Remembrance Day. Uh, I know myself, we're looking forward to the to the Remembrance Day ceremonies and commencements and uh, everything that uh, the Legion does for us here locally. Uh, so thanks for, for doing that. Thanks for stepping up for the community and uh, for our veterans and, and our servicemen. Thank you yeah, very thank much. Thank you. And thanks to our sponsor, Backcountry Brewing, who are sticking with us, even though, you know, we're weird kind of people yes <laughs> especially evelyn i guess evelyn's in their face all the time they love me there you go whatever where you at buds is produced by evelyn schellenberg and stephen fryer marcus monopoly is our executive producer and edits the show theme music wannabes by dirtbag republic our voice guy is matt grant where you at buds is an anubis media production thanks for listening and let us know where you at buds follow us on our socials links are in the show notes and please subscribe subscribe